Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, Super excited to have my guest on today, Kimball Musk. Kimball is a chef, restaurateur, and philanthropist, and he's got a personal mission to pursue an America where everyone has access to real food. Mr. Musk has been named the Global Social Entrepreneur by the World Economic Forum. He's the co-founder and executive chairman of three businesses, the Kitchen Restaurant Group, Big Green, and Square Roots. They have a real food missions that are rapidly scaling up across America. The kitchen group, it's got three concepts, next door, hedgerow, and the kitchen. And they serve real food at every price point and have created over a thousand mission-driven jobs. The restaurants source sustainability, sustainably grown food from American farmers, stimulating the local farm economy to the tune of millions of dollars a year. Mr. Musk nonprofit organization, Big Green, builds permanent outdoor learning garden classrooms in hundreds of underserved schools across America, reaching over 350,000 students every day. His tech-enabled food company, Square Roots, builds urban farms in climate-controlled shipping containers with the mission to bring real food to people in cities around the world by empowering next-gen farmers. And Mr. Musk is also on the board for Tesla and SpaceX. So without any further ado... Kimball, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on. Yeah, I discovered you or found out about you through social media. And, and the, the thing that really caught my eye was you were wearing cowboy hats all the time. And uh, so I, I reached out to contact you months, months ago and would work on getting you on the show. And because I, I wanted to you know, hear your story and, and find out about you and and then all of a sudden, I see you in Fort Worth at the Best Hat Store uh, getting a new hat with right. some friends of mine. So, um, and, and Amazing. I'm, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really crazy. So anyway, just give us a little background on you and, and, and tell us how you uh, ended up uh, where you're at now. Sure. You know, I, I love the, the, the cowboy culture of America. And it's, um, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I came from South Africa. Uh, my, my grandfather was American. And my great grandfather was a sheriff in Minnesota, so I have a, a long history with uh, 
with the cowboy culture. But I grew up in South Africa and uh, you know, held America in, in such high regard and really, really, really saw myself, you know, ending up there, really wanting to move there. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, the, the, the cowboy hat, it, it kind of it embodies the it embodies America, you know. So I, one of my jokes is, I love America so much, I wear the hat, <laughs> and it's uh, it's great, you know. And, and it really, it's uh, um, what's the right word? It's like it's a uh, uh, unapologetic love for America. Got it. Absolutely. Now, and when did you start wearing a cowboy hat initially? I, I was working in Texas. I, so I do a lot of work with farms, outdoor farms, and mm-hmm. I was working in Texas and meeting a lot of the farmers there. And uh, it was uh, it was quite a quite an introduction to it because I would borrow the you know a cowboy hat from one of the farmers, mm-hmm. and uh, and then one of the one of the other farmers came up to me who was a little uh, closer to me in, in, in as a friend, and said that you know the guys. The guy's being polite. You're not really supposed to borrow <laughs> someone's cowboy hat. That that's just not cool. You know, there's a real attachment to to your hat, and I I know that now. I, I, I it, if someone's wearing my hat, I I I feel like you know I gotta go I gotta go look after it and you know you know watch it carefully. And I did, but I just didn't realize that at the time. Right. And they were so nice. And these farmers took me to Allen's Boots in Austin, Texas, and we spent the afternoon not just getting a hat, but finding the right hat. Right. And uh, these guys were just, were hilarious. And the right hat for me was a resistol, uh, you know, pl- you know, very traditional far- farmer's hat, n- nothing fancy about it. Right. And um, a very usable hat, you know, it's very light. So, mm-hmm. so you can work on the farms and, and, you, and it protects you from the sun, but it also has, it's, it's easy to breathe. And so I've worn that hat that exclusively, that same hat for the past five years. Uh, I, I, I do get a new one about every year, but I, but I always have one. I don't, I don't have more than one at a time. And, you know, it kind of tells the story of my life for that, for that year. And I, and I love that. Uh, and then when I was in Fort Worth recently, I went to, uh, the best hat store in the world, of course, I had to right. go do that. And they made one for me, you know, um, like literally for me. I mean, from, from a, from, from a very, you know, uh, you know, they have these sort of molds, very, very plain molds right. to, to create a, a hat that, fits me perfectly that um has the shape i want and you know all these sort of things and and that it's now i have two hats but i but that 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 what happened fort worth is like a i'd wear that to formal occasion correct um i still use my traditional farm hat for for every day for everyday events yeah so the the your everyday hat is your straw hat basically your resist yeah. all and now, now you have a a fur felt hat or a fur hat um and, and yeah you, that exactly. was yeah and that was uh an American hat, of course. And what what color did you end up getting? I don't remember. Yeah, it's like a it's like a um, dark purple. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they had a name for it, but it was like a a purple black kind of uh, kind of hat. So it wasn't quite black, right? And um, very unique, beautiful color. Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if it's that uh, that new um, uh, what what color is that? Like a midnight blue kind of color they have now. I think. Yeah, yeah, midnight blue. That that totally yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. So how, how long were you down in, in Texas for on this last trip? Well, uh, you know, Texas has actually got me for good because my wife is from Dallas. Oh, so, okay. um, I visit, I visit uh, Dallas all the time. I was there for Christmas and, um, in Fort Worth, we got to know some wonderful folks down there that are working with us to bring big green to, uh, to Fort Worth and big green builds these beautiful outdoor classrooms for schools. 
mm-hmm. that, that are edible schoolyards mm-hmm. and, um, and outdoor classrooms. So we teach kids science, English, math, through the growing of food. And it's all in low-income schools. Um, a lot of, uh, almost all higher-income schools already have these environments. And so what we want to do is we want to create them and build them in schools that, that aren't as, uh, as uh, well-supported, but these kids really need the help. You know, the, the, especially amongst our low-income communities, obesity and diabetes is, 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 the, is the absolute uh, uh, disaster that, that, that is happening um, in those communities. And so we, we really, really need to help them. Um, you know, when, when a kid goes into, into kindergarten in Fort Worth or, or any city in Dallas, in Texas, uh, if they go into kindergarten obese, that's not something that they did to themselves. You know, right. that's something we did to them. Right. And, and so we really, we, we, do, we owe it to them to help them understand what real food is, make the kind of choices that are educated. I'm not going to tell someone to, to not have a burger. I love a burger every now and then. Right. But to not know that vegetables exist, that, 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 that's not okay. Right. Well, and you know, it's, it's, it's interesting too. I mean, I, I was a chiropractor for many years in, in, into health and ultimately ended up with a rare, but rarely diagnosed genetic disorder, an iron overload disorder. And, and I know how important food is. And, and when you really look at it and a lot of us know it, but so much of our foods are not real foods that, that people are eating every day. Yeah. They're made up of, of so many strange ingredients that are yeah. very bad for you. And um, they're meant to usually preserve the food right. because it's uh, shipped or, or held on a, on a shelf for, for years sometimes. Right. Um, or it's meant to you know, um, increase the salt, sugar, fat of it so that, so that you'll eat more of it. Right. Um, and, uh, and, of course, that's the driver of, of, of obesity and diabetes. Yep. Yeah, it's like in the early days before we had all that in, in farmers and in people would hunt and, and grow their own foods and, and things. And then out of necessity, they, they had to preserve it. But then now it, it just went so far that just like you said, we're so many things we're eating. It's not even, it's not real food. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, re- and real food is, is very simple. You know, it, it's, it's delicious. It's more, t- it's tastier than, than um, processed industrial food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know what you're eating when you eat it. You feel good afterwards. Uh, the, the problem is the industrial food system has, has, has really focused on processed food over the past 40 years or 50 years. And um, uh, the result has been disastrous for everyone. It's been disastrous right. for the farmers. It's been yeah. disastrous for the consumers. Um, it's disastrous for the, for, the, for the national economy. It's disastrous for, for the, the economy worldwide as we export that culture. Right. Um, so, so we really, uh, first of all, Real food is great as well, so it's even better. So we want, to, we want a happier future where, where we're enjoying our lives and we're building a great economy, and, and all of that comes down to eating real food, and, and uh, it's all possible. We, we, just, uh, we just need to uh, keep growing it. Right, and, and have a major shift in uh, the consciousness. Yeah, we, and we, we, we see that at Big Green where we, we, we work with kids and and see a 25% increase in their, in their consumption of fruits and vegetables, or, or we see, uh, you know, massive parental, parental participation when we, when we have the garden in the school, you know, these are low-income communities. These you know, parents often have multiple jobs, but they really want to be involved in their kid's school. You give a garden um, there, it's, it makes it very easy for someone who might not speak English as a parent to participate and help out. 
makes right. it easy for someone to help out, uh, you know, when, you know, it, around their schedule, uh, because the garden is always there and there's no fence around it. It's the kind of thing that, that you could use on the weekends or, mm-hmm. or in the afternoons. So, so it really is designed to help change the, the, the culture, uh, in a positive way towards, towards understanding what real food is, appreciating it, uh, tasting it. And, and, you know, I'm not here to, to tell people what to do, but right. let's at least educate them on what the options are. Absolutely. Now, I know that you were co-founder of a company back in the 90s. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head what the company was exactly, but you, you started that company and then sold it. How, when did you get an interest in this, in, into, into the foods and, and doing the things you're doing? And if you could tell us a little bit about that company, just to, for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sure background yeah I, i've loved cooking since i was uh, since i was a kid i started cooking for my family when i was 12. um the uh what i found when i cooked the food food tasted better but everyone would sit down and connect with each other and it was it was super super um it was a big part of my life and, and i continued right. that in college i cooked for my friends uh and then when i graduated college the opportunity was really the internet i mean it was right. such an exciting time to go down and, and figure out something to do uh, with the internet. I, and my brother and I worked on a company called Zip2. And we were uh, you know, probably the first humans, literally, to right. see maps and door-to-door directions exist on the internet. You know, and and uh, there were other players doing, doing you know, traditional mapping, but no one was doing sort of what we understand today as like a Google Maps or a Yahoo Maps. Right. And, um, and we, we built that. Um, uh, I was 22, he was 23. We were young, young guys just trying to figure it out, and um, it was a hell of a ride. You know, we uh, uh, we we sold it in 1999. Uh, it was an incredible you know, for us at our age, an incredible success. And that being said, it was also a very challenging company to build. And you know, right. back in those days, companies didn't make much money. So, you're like, how do you <laughs> justify being around when when and no one argues with the with the uh, need or use for Google Maps. I mean, it's like the most valuable thing you can imagine. Right. But no one makes money on that either, even today. You know, so it was one of those businesses that was, that was a, a tough one for us to figure out. Um, it eventually got acquired by Compaq and then got acquired by that, that the, the part, part of our company got acquired by Yahoo and integrated into Yahoo, Yahoo Maps and things like that. So, so it found a really nice home. And it's a, we, I'm very proud of, of being, being a part of, you know, having a really exciting, cool a stamp on on the internet that we use today, but for me, my life was my love for was, was food. Right. And so, as soon as I sold the company, I moved to New York and signed up to uh, learn to cook at the French Colony Institute. Um, I didn't expect to to make it a business career, but I but I had the freedom to to have the time to do something that I've always wanted to do. And so I did that, and um, I had a crazy experience where. I, I graduated just before 9-11 and um, I lived about 10 blocks from the, from the World Trade Center, mm-hmm. the, World Tower, the towers, and mm-hmm. I um, woke up to the sound of the plane, the first plane hitting the building. Oh, man. Oh, my God. And you just don't really understand what that sound is. It's just like, yeah. what, is the, what was that? Yeah. And then uh, the doorman rang the bell and was like screaming, a plane hit the building, a plane hit the building, a plane hit the building. And you couldn't really make out what he was saying. And in your head, you think to yourself, of some some idiot just flew his uh, his small plane into the building. You don't think, right? I mean, I didn't even look out the window. I I I I just I I went and had a shower, and went downstairs to go get a coffee at the deli across the road, 
by the time I got out of the elevator on the ground floor, the second plane hit the building. Oh. And then when I got to the to the deli, because you're still in shock, you're not quite sure right. what, what's going on. Right. Um, the, on the radio, it said the Pentagon got hit, and, you, and everyone just started to just freak out and start to run. And I and I grabbed my 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 wife at the time, and we we just ran and we ran. We got to Canal Street by the time the first one fell, and you just watched this giant giant cloud of white, uh, thick white powdery cloud come towards you. Right. And um, uh, uh, and thankfully it did not reach us, uh, yeah. but out of that cloud comes, um, uh, you know, people in cars, policemen, firemen, other people, and people are holding onto the outsides of cars just to get right. out of this, uh, cloud as the cars are speeding out Right. and people are just covered in this white dust. And so, and so we kept, we kept running. We made it to union square by the time the second one fell. And, um, uh, uh, my mother, who lived just just north of Union Square, we, we we shacked up with her and about seven or eight other people, and they they called my mother and they said, you know, my mother was a well-known dietitian at the time, right. you know, would she be up for volunteering to cook for the firefighters? And she said, you know, she doesn't, she's not actually that good of a cook, but but her son just graduated from cooking school and he and he'd love to help. And so, as you can imagine, there's millions of people trying to volunteer, so. Yes. So to get us to get the the ability to volunteer was 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 very hard. Right. And I lived very close to to the World Trade Center, so I had a security pass, and I had just graduated from cooking school, so they I had some some cooking chops, and so for six weeks, sixteen hours a day, we'd cook for firefighters and we'd bring the food to them, and they'd come out of these giant piles of melting metal, yeah. still melting, six weeks after the towers fell. We would feed them real food. We'd kick, we'd cook that day. They'd come in to the to the food hall that was a sort of gymnasium that had been converted to a to a food hall. Mm-hmm. They'd be just covered in dust and you know exhausted. They wouldn't. No one's talking to each other. And then they'd sit down and eat, and then they'd start to come to life. And just seeing that 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 community being uh, being formed in, in real time, you know, as they as they fed and they connected with each other, and then they put their outfits on and they went back into those giant piles of melting metal to save American lives. Uh, it was, it was then that I just was like, man, I, I gotta make food my, my career. It's, um, I gotta do a restaurant. I got, I just got to do this. It, it's right. just too, it's too powerful for me to, to not do, you know, but whereas before this, I had seen cooking school as something that was, uh, you know, feeding my hobby, not, not, not feeding my, my, my business purpose. Right. Um, but it's been absolutely, I mean, I, I consider myself very fortunate to have been able to do, to volunteer for those firefighters and be there. And we were driving ATVs down into you know, ground zero, uh, you know, cook some of the, we cooked some of the best food you can ever imagine. I remember one time we cooked salmon with dill sauce, uh, poached salmon that cooked by some of the best chefs in the world. And I was just a, you know, a, a, a you know, a line cook grunt, you know, I just do whatever they tell me to do. Right. But it, it was wonderful. Uh, uh, you know, driving that ATV down and, and just seeing the passion that these, these firemen had to, to, to just keep going I mean, right. every day, every yeah. night. It was 24, hour, 24 hours a day. Crazy. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's it, that point is when you just decided that, you know, you're, you're going to make food your mission. And well, at the time it was to do a restaurant, you know, I right. still saw, 
I still saw my life as having a number of uh, paths. Um, not not quite sure which one was which, but but I but I knew I had to do a restaurant. Right. And I did a road trip around the U.S. with my wife to 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 see which which town would be a good place to do a restaurant. And I didn't want to do New York for a lot of reasons, including the fact that we just went through 9/11. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we found we found uh, uh, Boulder, Colorado, mm-hmm. and it's a really good restaurant town. Um, people love to eat out here. It's very outdoorsy. It's also the the Colorado cuisine, which I love, is 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 meant for an active lifestyle. It's not um, it's not like low calorie, but it's like that's like a lot of protein. So you might have a um, a, a bigger a, a bigger steak, but it's also but you have you have vegetables and less potatoes. You know, it's like Right. It's like a, it's like a, uh, you know, there's some, there's paleo diets out there. It's kind of a little bit more like that where you, you definitely still eat your, your, your meat, but you, but you, 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 your sides are, are just healthier. Right. Um, and, um, uh, and then, of, then you also have, you know, this part of the country kind of is the birth, birthplace for natural food. So this, the food is food that you trust. It's not industrial food. You know, it's food by local farmers. It's, right. um, it's ranchers that 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 feed their 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 cattle naturally, and um and so so I really was when I opened our restaurant here, you know, we worked with farmers here and we helped create uh, one of the first farm to table restaurants in the country, and um uh it was just the right place to do it, you know, it was the right place where 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 people wanted to eat real food. Um, some people are gluten free, some people were vegetarian, some people were vegan. Right. And that's okay because if you think about real food, as long as you know what you're eating, you you, you see it in front of you, you know what you're getting. Right. Um, and then it it just kind of worked with my style of of cooking and and my co-founder style Hugo, uh, which is just simple food grown locally, and we do as little as possible to it. And then um, if you want the best vegetables, you come to us. You want the best meat, you come to us. Um, uh, and and it it just worked really well. That's great. Today's episode is sponsored by Modern Cowboy Performance Nutrition, the brand built on grit, determination, and perseverance. Modern Cowboy products are designed to increase stamina and strength, build lean muscle mass, and promote healing and pain relief. For more information and to order products, visit our website, moderncowboy.global, and use our podcast listener special code, moderncowboy15, at checkout for 15% off all of our products. And and how how many restaurants do you guys have now? So we we have we have 16 restaurants. Um, we primarily are growing a restaurant called Next Door, Next Door American Eatery, mm-hmm. and it's a Colorado twist on American food. Okay. And um, it's at a price point that is considerably lower than the kitchen. So we really want to make this uh, the kind of restaurant that would go out into the world and become a. Uh, we want to take Colorado cuisine and and share it with the world. And we think it's tastier. We think it's real food. We think that it's better. Uh, it's got all the options that you have for um, uh, for you know a, a mom who wants to maybe eat eat a little lighter. You know, the daughter that might want to be you know, vegan today, right. gluten free the next day, or whatever. Right. You might have uh, the son who just wants a cheeseburger, but it's going to be a great, the best cheeseburger from a from a local ranch. Right. And you might have dad who wants to you know a really satisfying meal. And you know, for us, that's that's Colorado cuisine. It's it's uh, it's it's for that active lifestyle and it's delicious and it's real food. Yeah. And so, and so you say you have 16 restaurants now. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what's your vision for the future? Are you, you want to, yeah. So our goal is um, we're, we're, we're pretty big in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, and we're testing out different markets. Uh, we're in Chicago, we're in Memphis, we're in uh, Indianapolis, we're in Cleveland, um, and uh, we're just kind of getting a feel for for where what you know what what our next steps are for for growing the company. Yeah. Now, my editor for the podcast, Matt Kirshner, he has he has a podcast called Right Track Detroit, and he sent me a picture one time. You were in Detroit, and it was a picture of you, and you were wearing your cowboy hat. You did a post about um, changing, I think it was a McDonald's or something, into one of your restaurants. Yeah, did right. You, did you ever do that? Totally. Did you- totally. Well, you know, what we decided to do at the time was um, uh, we, we actually we worked pretty hard on that space, uh-huh. but we decided at the time to focus on – we already had 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 been in too many cities at that time. We were Cleveland, Chicago, Indy, and Memphis. Right. Like, we know that Detroit will be uh, an amazing place for us at some point. Right. We just needed to uh, manage our priorities. So uh, we we decided we we did pursue it. It did, kind of didn't work out in the end, but right. it was kind of a good thing because we we need to get we need to be fully prepared before we add another city to our to our uh, our roster. Gotcha. So you so you live in in Colorado full time, but you but you spend a lot of time in in down in Texas, you say? I spent a lot of time in, uh, in Dallas. I spent a lot of time in, um, uh, in Waco, uh, if, if okay. you um, can believe that. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in Fort Worth. Uh, okay. Fort Worth, I work on Big Green, and we're, we're working hard there to figure out uh, how to bring, we do 100 schools at a time, so we, we right. really need uh, a, a lot of political and philanthropic support, and we've got some great, great momentum going on down there, and we really hope to do that soon. I was actually at the the Cowgirl Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony a couple months ago, so so I really love that community a lot. Um, and then in in Waco, uh, my brother's company SpaceX does a lot of their testing, uh, rocket testing out there. So gotcha. I'm in Waco, Texas, uh, a, you know, a few times a year. And then um, and then and then Dallas is where uh, where where my wife's family is. So again, there for you know family holidays and so forth. Yeah, very exciting. And, and I got married in Dallas. So. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> so I, as I said, you guys have me for uh, for for life. <laughs> uh, are you awesome. are you based in Texas? No, no, I'm I'm actually in Arizona. Yeah. Oh, you are. Okay, cool. Yeah, in Arizona. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Do you do you get horseback at all? Do you ride horses at all, or or is that the? Well, um, I, I I did actually grow up uh, riding a little bit of horses, but mm-hmm. I I had, a, I had an accident in 2010. Uh, I was in uh, Wyoming and I mm-hmm. went down a ski hill um, on an inner tube and, and the tube flipped and I broke my neck. Ooh. And um, yeah, it, it was a extraordinary life-changing event for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, punchline is that I don't ride horses because of that. But, but this was another time in my life where, where I looked at my life and I said, you know, much like 9-11, I was like, you know, I, I really... I really want to dedicate my life to food. And, and, and at that point I'd, I'd had two, I'd opened two restaurants. Mm-hmm. They'd done well. We were supporting school gardens, but I was still working in tech. And, and when, when I had that life changing experience of, of sitting in that hospital room, I was paralyzed on my left for, for three days. Yeah. And, um, Oh my God, it was awful. And, yeah. uh, I looked back on my life and the doctors were saying, you know, we think we can fix you. Uh, just, uh, you know, it's going to take a few days to get the the surgeons into town because they have to come into town. You know, they don't live in in, in small towns in in Jack in, I was in Jackson Hole, right? In in Wyoming, and um, uh, you know, I looked at my life and I said, you know, most you know, so oftentimes people say, um, you know, they should have spent more time with the family or whatever. It's like I, I was like, I feel like I haven't done enough for the world. You know, I 
I um, uh, have this, uh, I've been very fortunate to, to have this great, great network of good people that I've, I've worked with. Right. And I love food and I believe I can add value there. And, and um, what I need to do is, and I told myself this in hospitals, I need to work on food exclusively and I need to figure out a way to bring real food to everyone. Right. And um, uh, when I woke up, I woke up on a Wednesday morning and they told me that, that I, that the surgery was successful, but I would have to be horizontal for two months, um, oh. which I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it's oh. Oh, horrible. But what it also does is get your mind spinning at a million miles an hour. Right. And so we created the business model for Nextdoor, which is our uh, Nextdoor American Eatery, the, the restaurant we're growing. Right. And it's a, a same philosophy of real food, but it's it's really it's, it's a Colorado twist on American food. And um, uh, and then we have um, uh, uh, that. Then I created Big Green, which was a nonprofit dedicated towards scaling school gardens because it's just was absolutely the best way to reach kids, reach every right. child in the neighborhood. Right. And then a few years later, we, we created uh, Square Roots, which was a way to empower young farmers to get into farming and learn, learn a love for farming, but also do it in a way that is, is uh, more relevant to today's technology. Right. And, uh, and that we're growing in, in New York and Michigan and, and a few other places. Yeah. And, and now that's you, this farming that you're doing, um, uh, the square roots, is that, is that all climate controlled, uh, you know, indoor, uh, farming? That's all or? climate controlled indoor. Each farmer gets a shipping container, literally the same shipping container you see on the back of a, of a ship. Right. And the, those farms are incredibly productive enough to support a farmer. Right. And the, the, because of the climate control and the lighting control, we, we make the most delicious tasting basil or mint or whatever product we decide Right. Because we can control it from 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 the beginning, and these are these are um, seed, you know natural seeds that have you know nothing GMO about it, but but using light and um, uh, and climate, we can we can truly create the most delicious basil out there. That's amazing. And now, amazing. If, yeah. It, now with big green, I mean, we have we have one uh, with with, 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 with when, the 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 square root one. Is cool. I I add this quick example. It's really funny or really amazing. It's so we, we actually take the, we look across the world for right. the best climate. Right. And we found for basil, the best climate is in Genoa, Italy. And, you know, this is kind of where it's from, so that kind of makes sense. Right. But then we started to talk to people in Genoa, and they said, actually, in 1997, that was the best climate. It was <laughs> the best basil that we had ever produced. And so we went back to 1997 using climate data, and we replicate the month of June in 1997 in Genoa inside our shipping containers oh and it creates the most wonderful delicious soft fragrant um, basil you can imagine and and doing that with uh, with young farmers i mean it's just uh, absolutely wonderful yeah that's that's crazy even to think that about you know going back and recreating a uh, a climate controlled atmosphere <laughs> for a certain for a certain isn't it year. incredible i mean this yeah. it's just extraordinary um, I know, and and people, and you know, until a few years ago, indoor farming was really kind of like the, the you know the cheap way to go or the the low quality way to go. Right. And now with modern day technology, uh, and and a connected technology, you know, keep in mind this requires the internet. You can't you can't just go look up climate data if you're going through the library. Like right. that would just take a hundred years. Right. But but with the internet, you can do that in seconds, and and you can test all the time using 
our, our systems are all, all of our farms are cloud connected, so we can test every single um, climate and buy, and we can tweak it by the tiniest amount and see the differences. All this stuff requires modern day technology. So, so it really is, it's, it's, it's time, you know, it's, it's, not, it's the, it's now time where we can integrate technology into food and make it better and more affordable and mm -hmm. tastier and more nutritious. I mean, it really is extraordinary. Yeah. Do you ever see a, a point where you may produce uh, these smaller type of home farms where people could purchase them? I know, I know they have s similar things like them, but if you, if they had a, a small unit that was climate controlled and, and people could have that in their home and grow their own basil, lettuce, whatever they wanted. I mean, I think that people, there are some companies out there that do that. I, mm -hmm. I think that, that the mission we have of, of empowering young farmers is, is really primary for us. You know, so we really right. want young farmers to grow food at scale right. in a way that supports them financially gotcha. and it gets and it empowers them and gets them excited for, you know, cause they, they only do they, a farmer joins square roots for one year. And then after a year we set them up with their next employment opportunity, which would be more of a, maybe they want to loan from the USDA to do a farm, or maybe they want to go work for another farmer. And sometimes I mean, we have one, far, one farmer who has joined a nonprofit in the Bronx called teens for food justice. And it stays in the food world and, you know, working really hard in the Bronx to, to, to bring real food to that community. I mean, I'm so proud of those guys, you know, yeah. it's just, um, what we want to do is, is give young people who are passionate about food and farming an opportunity that, that they'll keep, you know, they'll treasure for the rest of their lives and then set them up for success in the, in the industry. Yeah. Now, can people uh, apply for this program or how, how does how Yeah, does yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you go to squarerootsgrow.com. Okay. And you apply and um uh we are we're growing so 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 definitely um uh just don't don't be bashful, just go ahead and apply and we'll we'll do our best to find a slot for you. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It's it's amazing how out of a, a couple of big tragedies your missions have been born. From the nine eleven, it is, to, to, yeah. yeah. Um, and I and I, I I would say that you know the breaking my neck was probably the worst and best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, yeah. It's, just... it's actually my tenth anniversary, and um, uh, you're gonna love this. So so I, I after uh, my neck break, I, I I've always played guitar, but right. I started play Johnny Cash almost exclusively. Right. And. Um, and so for, I'm, I'm going to throw a little party in one of my restaurants in, uh, in the 10th anniversary. Uh -huh. And I'm going to just going to play a Johnny Cash cover band uh, right. for my friends. Right. And um, it's just, uh, you know, it, it changed my life in so many great ways. Uh, it changed my life in, in business. It changed my life personally. It changed my life with music. It changed my life with really with everything in the way I connect with others and I, and I appreciate every day. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, uh, as I said, it was, it's a difficult thing, but it was also one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah. Now, do you, do, after the surgery, did they uh, have to put hardware in, uh, did you have fusions? Do you have any residual pain and stuff? Yeah. Right now? Yeah. I've got, I've got a, a metal spine from, a, from between C5 and C6. Okay. And I unfortunately do have still have pain now, but it is better than being dead and it's better than being paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Amazing story. I mean, you know, the thing is, I, I, I do lo I love that uh, experience because um, in my, my joke with my friends, because, you know, everyone feels sorry for me, but I'm like, hold on a second. You know, if not for the physical trauma, I highly recommend a psychological awakening. 
Right. It is just extraordinary how you ch- how you change your attitude towards life. Yeah. Well, I I, I I can identify with you because seven years ago, I was diagnosed with hemochromatosis, which gave me throes to the liver, damaged my organs, my joints and everything. And it's really the reason I ended up doing this podcast that it changed the whole direction of my life. It's one of the worst things that ever Amazing. happened, but you know, um, out of it has come a lot of great, great things. And so uh, it's, uh, I can, I can relate to that. Definitely. Yeah. So, Hey, Kimball, I always ask everybody, we know, we know what, uh, probably your, well, we know your favorite hat brands. You love resist all. And now you have an American. Now do you wear cowboy yeah. boots? I, I do. Wear, I do have cowboy boots and I love them, but I'm six, five already. Uh-huh. So if I put the cowboy hat on, I'm like, I look like I'm six, seven or six, eight. Right. And if I put the boots on, I look like I'm seven foot tall. So, right. so I actually have to, uh, I use the cowboy boots very sparingly because I'm just already so big that right. it, it, uh, it's, a, it's an awkward height. And right. uh, what, but I, what I might do at some point is go get custom uh, cowboy boots to me that don't have much, have a, that don't have much of a heel to them. And, yeah. and, I, and I think then I'll, I'll start wearing them more. Yeah, well, you know, if you get up with the, you know, but for me, it is like a the modern cowboy. For me, is is you know, it's it's that cowboy hat. It's the sort of the 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 spunk to you know be yourself. This right. is who I am, and and um uh, and so for me, it, it's much. It's, it's the cowboy hat that really does it for me. Absolutely. And then also, you know, there's a lot of these uh, roper heel boots. They're they're only you know an uh, inch and a half, and they're they're a flat uh, a flat heel too, and so the they're sometimes not even as, as tall as a, a pair of, you know, pumped up Nikes. So that's, that's something else. You can yeah. Get. So I got to try those on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I, I wear a lot of tennis shoes myself, you know, with I'm not horseback. As a matter of fact, I just got a new yeah. pair, of, pair of Vans the other day. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually love the sneakers with, um, with the cowboy hat. It's, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's a good look. <laughs> absolutely. A- absolutely. I do it all the time. A lot of guys do. And yeah, it's a uh, pretty cool. I mean, how about, uh, how about, um, Cowboy movies. You got any favorite Western movie that you that you've seen over the years or that you liked? Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, uh, I, um, I, I grew up watching Shane and Bonanza. Oh yeah, that stuff yeah. is uh, is is great. Yeah. Um, you, the, you you remember True Grit that came out a few years ago? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite uh, recent time ones. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I love it anytime. I, I, I don't think they're enough. Um, I, the other one to do, if you, if, if I'm sure you do this, but if your audience are curious, is go get the Clint Eastwood Western collection. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you really understand why he was such an incredible icon because yep. it was because of those movies. You know, just uh, he, he just is, he's just such a, such a badass. Yes, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. He he definitely personifies the uh, that uh, iconic figure of the cowboy. There's no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, Kimball, hey man, I I really appreciate you coming on the, the podcast and, and sharing all that with us. I'm I'm just I'm amazed at your story and just all all you've accomplished. And I look forward to to seeing what you got going down the road and, and, uh, my, my buddies in, in Fort Worth got to meet you. So I'm, I'm, I'd like to meet you in person one of these days. Maybe I'll see you at one of your restaurants. Well, come, come on out to Colorado someday and, uh, and, uh, let's, let's get together. I think that'd be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Hey, I really appreciate it. And then, um, uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for, uh, for having me on the show. You bet. Hey, I want to thank all of our listeners and sponsors of the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. 
We so appreciate the reviews and ratings, which increases awareness in our effort to grow the fan base of the cowboy, rodeo, and Western lifestyle culture. If you are new to the show or have been a listener for a while and have just not had the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, it's really simple. Just trot your pony over to the iTunes Apple Podcast, click on the show, scroll down to rate and review, and give us a five-spur rating. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as many other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Just type Modern Cowboy Podcast into the search bar to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. And if you are interested in being a sponsor of the show to showcase your business, DM us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Podcast or message us on our website, www.moderncowboypodcast.com. Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer. Saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs. $20,000 horses, then there's my own stick. Although we're all the same. The minute we ride in to the roping pen Well, I ain't no play speed But I give her hell, he never can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle and philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money Yeah, we're always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope He's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pen And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack You can back it up Oh, but we're all friends No matter who wins Down at the rope and pen Tell a few more lies Drink another beer And hypothesize Most of life's problems By God we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen We'll see y'all again Next weekend Down at the roping pen